Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. We all can't help but wonder what adventure lies just over the next ridge. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. If you're taking on your adventure in a new 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Nissan's SUV has the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I would be lost without my smartphone. I use it for directions, to find things to do, and most importantly, where to eat. I rely on it as a digital music player to enhance my experience as I explore a new place. Oh, and sometimes I even use it to make calls and stuff. That's the kind of traveler I am. And if you travel, you know what kind you are, too. That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Everyone and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Jonathan Strickland, host ordinaire. And I am Lauren Vogelbaum, host extraordinaire. That's right. And uh, today we wanted to talk a little bit about the Segway. The Segway. And, and not the way of going from one story to a different story. Right. S-E-G-W-A-Y, the, the company and people mover or human transport trans- thing yes. device. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Scooter. And, Electronic scooter. Fancy. And Lauren, you pointed out to me uh, that uh, we actually, we as in tech stuff, recorded an episode about Dean Kamen, who is the the founder of Segway, a long, long time ago. A very long time ago. Back in 2008. Yeah, well, he's done a whole bunch of other really cool stuff. Yeah, he, he invented a uh, thing called a Luke arm, which is a robotic arm meant for people who have lost a limb. Yeah, we talk a little bit a bit about that in a whole other podcast thing we're doing. Yeah, over at uh, Forward Thinking. Mm-hmm. It's a great show. You guys, if you haven't uh, checked out Forward Thinking, you should definitely check it out. It's great stuff. Uh, he also invented a water purification device called the Slingshot, which can take pretty much anything that has water content in it and purify it into drinkable water. Oh, wow, cool. So you could take 
sewage and put it through this thing. And it would actually produce clean, drinkable water. And it's meant for communities that have, uh, uh, you know, have trouble accessing clean water. Uh, fantastic thing. Uh, yeah. And he's partnered with some pretty big companies for that. But the segue, I think, is where a lot of people know Dean Kamen. Like they they heard about it that because of the segue. Well it got it got a great deal of publicity, which we will talk about later in the episode because it was the the, the hype for it is can really only be called hype. It was very intense. It was it was like it was like if you had heard that this uh rock and roll band that had not released an album in, in like ten years was getting back together to do their first studio album uh, and uh, that you know, in a decade, and that would that would be kind of similar to the hype buildup. And of the not segue. only were they going to do an album, but they were going to revolutionize the entire music industry with this album. That's, that's fair. The level, yeah, that's mm-hmm. fair. So we'll talk about that uh, in uh, a bit. But first, we wanted to kind of talk about actually what it was and how it worked. So if you were to look at one of these things, in case you have not seen it, it looks like a little two wheeled scooter, but the wheels are uh, are, are side by side. They're not in line right. with one another. They're side by side. And you, when you would stand on a platform with the left wheel to your left and the right wheel to your right, there's a, a bar that comes straight up vertically from the platform. Uh, there are handlebars Little attached handlebars to it. handlebars that you hold on to. Mm-hmm. And then when you, uh, when you lean, it moves. When you lean forward, it starts to move forward. When you lean backward, it stops. If you lean back enough, it'll go backward a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's... Um, and uh, and and the the new models these days, when you tilt the handlebars, that is how you steer. Yeah, uh, in the original one, you would twist one of the handlebars, the right handlebars, like so, revving a motorcycle style. Exactly, and if you if you twisted if you twisted one way, it would turn left, and you twist the other way, it turns right, and it, the way it turns is kind of cool. Uh, when you lean forward, both wheels engage and start moving forward. Simultaneously, correct. Uh, when you turn, only one wheel starts to move in one direction, and the other wheel uh, allows you to pivot on uh, on a dime. Oh, I mean, right, right. Yeah, it, it's a turning radius of zero. Yeah, a zero turning radius, which is pretty amazing. And uh, we'll talk about what he intended this device to do in the second half, I think. But first, we wanted to kind of talk about the actual technology that makes this possible. And uh, Dean came in before he had gone into developing the Segway, had already started to work on some pretty cool systems. He, he did some uh, work on uh, on uh, motorized wheelchairs that were capable of doing things like climbing up staircases. And that work kind of led him to the, the idea of, what if I created a device that could transport people at a good clip uh, and make it so that it it works on the same principle as what it's like when you're walking. Mm-hmm. So when you're walking... So it's intuitive, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it works in a way that feels natural to us. Although, I will tell you, the first time you get on a Segway, nothing feels natural about it. I haven't actually been on one. You have? I have. I've done... I've, I've been on a Segway. I really enjoyed it. I had a great time. But... Have you ever engaged in an activity where the first step requires you to do something that feels totally unnatural to you? So there's like a your body is actually resisting what you have to do. Uh, basically, that's me walking every day. But I mean, but but for for example, when I switched from a, a WASD keyboard. Uh, first-person shooters to uh, Xbox controller, I was like, "What is this?" See, for me, what I think of is like the first time when I was a little kid that I ever tried snorkeling. Because I put my face in the water, and my body's telling me, for goodness sakes, man, whatever you do, don't breathe in, you're underwater. And, you know, my, my rest of my brain is saying, foolish, scary reptile brain, that's not 
anything to worry about. You have a tube to the air, which is unobstructed. You can breathe all you like. And it took that leap, not literally, I didn't literally leap, but it's it hard took, to in water. No, yeah, I couldn't get enough traction. But I, it took that mental leap to get mm-hmm. to a point where I felt comfortable. Same mm-hmm. sort of thing on a segue, because the way it works is that you start to lean forward as if you're going to take a step. Mm-hmm. Because basically what walking is, is controlled falling. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, you're, you're throwing the upper part of your body forward. Uh-huh. You're, you're essentially unbalancing yourself. And, and then counting you, on one leg or the other in sequence, yeah. hypothet- hypothetically, to, exactly. to catch you, right? Yeah, you just, you're constantly catching yourself with your legs. You're, you know, especially if you're, if you're walking at a good pace, you know, you'll see people, they're leaning into it. And, uh, and that weight is what's helping them propel forward. And then they swing a leg out, which catches them, stops them from falling. And they use that leg to push them forward and then the other leg and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. And it's something that we, once we start to learn how to walk, it just becomes natural to us. We don't even think about it. Oh, right, right. Well, we've got all kinds of uh, really, really intricate inner ear sensory mechanisms to tell us when we're balanced and when we're off balanced and how everything is going. It's a really, it's such an automatic process that when you're not two, you're not thinking about it. Yeah. And what's also funny is that 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 same system of sensors that we have in our brain, well, two things are funny. One thing is that a lot of that informed Dean Kamen when he was designing the Segway. He wanted to have a mechanical means to sort of recreate that. And the other thing is that these sensors are not uh, fail. They're they're not foolproof. Sure. We we can fool ourselves. Uh, This is partially what leads us to things like motion sickness, Mm -hmm. where we get one set of input from a set of senses telling us one thing and a different set of input from other senses telling us another thing. And that that conflict makes our brain say, "Okay, if that's how you're going to play it, we're losing lunch. That's it. Uh Uh, Someone who has suffered from uh, from car sickness, motion sickness that way, uh, strangely enough, never got seasick. But I've been motion sick from a car before. Uh. But anyway. So the, the, they are fallible, these systems in our, our brains and in the Segway, as it turns out. So Dean came and wanted to create the Segway in such a way that it would, uh, require you to lean forward as if you were going to take a step and that would be the indicator to move. Right. And then, and then sort of trust the machine. I, I imagine that that's where you that's have your jump. initial problem yes. because you're, you're, you're leaning forward and you're not catching yourself. Yeah. And, and you know, you've already been told, you've already been told, do not Take your foot off the platform to step and catch yourself because then you run yourself over. <laughs> so not only right. do you not you catch wearing, yourself. You're wearing a helmet at the time, hypothetically. But, yes, uh, I was wearing a helmet at the mm-hmm. time. That was, that was, um, that was a requirement. Right. Uh, I want to say that I was at Disney when I did this. It was at some park and I think it was Disney and it was, uh, it was not the full Epcot tour, which we can talk about. I've got a little factoid on that. Uh, there is a, a, a tour that, very popular tour at Epcot that, uh, uses segways. It wasn't that. It was just a little, like, familiarize yourself with this technology thing. And I was mm-hmm. like, I've always wanted to do this. And that's when I tried it. So I've only done it the one time. And I really would love to, to have more time with it because it was an interesting experience. But yes, it requires you to move forward as if you were going to take a step, but not take your weight completely off your foot. Just lean forward as if you were about to start walking. And that, makes the Segway go, yeah, which is kind of cool. Um, now, the way it does that is it has a complex system of gyroscopes inside to kind of uh, let it know 
what orientation the Segway is in relative to the ground. Right. It has five gyroscopes, in fact. Technically, it's really only using three of them. Two of them are fail-safes. But- yeah. Yeah, three of them are meant to detect things like forward, uh, leaning forward, leaning backward, and tilt to the left or right. Right. Okay, but so so a gyroscope. Let's talk about what a gyroscope is because this right. is a little bit integral. Yeah. Um. So it's it's basically just a spinning wheel inside a frame. Yeah. The frame itself is stable and free. Uh, the the spinning wheel uh, has um, well, it's rotating around an axis. Sure. Right. So you've got the axis at the center of the wheel. The wheel rotates. And then it res- it resists changes, forces uh, that would change the alignment of that gyroscope. So, oh, be- because if you push on the on the spinning wheel, the it's just going to transfer into. It's it's called precessing. Okay. This is a really it's, this is an interesting thing. It's actually it's one of those things that's kind of difficult to explain in an audio podcast. Uh, first of all, let me tell you that at HowStuffWorks com we have an article on how gyroscopes work which includes video showing what I'm about to talk about so if you have trouble visualizing what I'm about to explain despite the fact that we're both gesticulating wildly yeah I really I mean there's only so much I can get across in radio right uh, but you can go there and, and look it up but what a gyroscope does is this, this whole thing of precessing is imagine that you have a bicycle wheel suspended from a string so okay. the strings tied to the ceiling somewhere the bicycle wheels hanging down the the uh, string is tied to the axis of the wheel, so it could still spin freely, okay? Got it. Now, if you were to align that wheel so it's vertical uh, relative to the ground, so the wheel is as if it was on a bicycle that you were riding down the street, sure. okay? Uh, the string is tied to one side of that axis. So there's a, a string that's coming down on one side of the axis. The other side of the axis doesn't have a string tied to it. So there's nothing to keep it vertical. Okay. If you were to just let go, that wheel would flop down into the horizontal uh, uh, formation. It would just be parallel to the ground. Correct. More or less. If you were to turn it vertical and then start spinning the wheel, it would remain vertical. Really? And it would slowly begin to rotate around the string. So it, that's the precession, is that it's rotating around a different axis perpendicular to the one of its main motion. Now, why is it staying vertical as opposed to flopping over? The reason for that is that if you were to uh, apply a force to, say, uh, let's say you've got the bicycle wheel spinning in your arms. Okay, you're you're holding the you're holding the axis uh, in front of you, and the wheel is vertical, and you've got it spinning. You can do this. I've seen science museums that have had this, where you sit in a, a, a swivel chair and you hold the um, the bicycle wheel in front of you, like you extend your arms out so that the wheel can spin freely in front of you. Uh, if you try and tilt that wheel, you'll feel resistance. And the reason for that is that imagine that, uh, th- you know, take a still image, like you're able to freeze time. Okay. Okay. Oh, I can. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's good. And you're going to tilt the wheel so that the top of the wheel, from your perspective, would be moving to the left and the bottom of the wheel would be moving to the right. You're tilting it on a diagonal. Okay. Now, as that wheel is spinning, the point where you would be turning it to the left, that, that's, you're applying a force to that section. So imagine, imagine a, a spot at the very top of the wheel, at the vertical apex of that wheel. Uh-huh. Okay? That's where you're applying the force to move to the left. Now, the wheel's actually spinning, so if we were to jump ahead, 20 frames. Now the point is directly in front of the wheel. It's no longer at the top. It is rotated around to be in the front. And uh, uh, it still wants to go toward the left. Go ahead another 20 frames. Now the point is at the bottom of the wheel. It still wants to go to the left, but 
the force you're applying is trying to make the bottom of the wheel go to the right. So the force you're applying is trying to push the wheel's direction in one way, but because that reference point was at the top at the beginning and it's still trying to go to the left from when you were applying the force at the very beginning, those two forces cancel each other out. It resists the the force to make it move in a different direction. And uh, then you also have the precession. So if you're sitting in a swivel chair, you start to spin around. It's kind of fun. Uh, this is a great, cheap way to entertain small children. Um, anyway... It's an interesting, just an interesting uh, fact of physics is that you know, a gyroscope in this this uh, stable frame will react in this way. But so, okay, so so the the point of gyroscopes being in devices like this is that if you measure the position of the spinning wheel inside of its frame, you can determine um, the, the the pitch and the pitch rate. Yeah, exactly. You're you're looking at like the the frame itself can move freely within the. Uh, confines of whatever it is you're talking whatever about. Whatever device you're talking right. about. Right. Whether it's, it could be a Segway, it could be an airplane, it could be a phone. Um, and so it, it can move freely within that context. And it may be a solid state drive, as is the case with, uh, the Segway. It right. may not be an actual physical gyroscope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll get into that in just a second. Right. And, uh, but if you're able to do that in such a way, then the gyroscope and the, uh, the pitch detection will allow the, uh, will give enough information so that some sort of processor can take that information in and know what orientation the Segway is in relative to the ground. Right. So by detecting these changes and by detecting the forces that are enacting upon these different gyroscopes, the Segway can interpret that and say, oh, I should engage the motor to drive forward or I should stop or I should move backwards. Move backward. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. I should I should probably put up a warning because this guy's really leaning over a bit too far. Right, right. Um, but so so yeah. So the kind of gyroscopes that are that are in a Segway are these solid state angular rate sensors. Yes. That um that are basically the way that I understand it, it's a little silicon plate. Yes. And I think I actually said that the correct way the first time. Yes, you did. Win. It's silicon, not silicone. You're exactly right. <laughs> two two separate issues. Um, and so it's a it's a silicon silicon plate mounted on a support frame yes. and uh, uh you run you run an electrostatic current across the plate uh-huh. it wiggles the silicon particles around yes. and makes the plate as a whole vibrate in a very predictable way right um and when there's a a physical change in the forces uh meaning when you've tilted in some way yeah 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 when when you physically move the plate on its axis uh-huh. ax- axis yes <laughs> Talking is great. Uh, the particles suddenly shift and the vibration changes. Right. And by changing of vibration, you know that there is a change in the state that you are in, whether that's a tilt or you know whatever other thing you might have this gyroscope in. But in the case of the Segway, we're talking about specifically the tilt of the Segway itself. Right. So if you hook a computer up to this, it can measure the precise change. Right. And, and, and interpret it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So if it says like, oh, it's changed a little bit, like the vibration has changed a little bit, indicating that the person is starting to lean forward, time to engage the motors. If it's changed a lot, it might mean that the person has leaned forward pretty hard, which indicates that you should move at a faster pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got these motors that will engage in order to uh, activate the wheels and the wheels begin to turn and that's where you get the motion. So um, the, the thing that's keeping this all going is... Uh, uh, you know, you've got the gyroscopic sensors, that's giving the information, but then you have two circuit boards that have controllers on them, uh, has ten microprocessors total in the original Segway. And those microprocessors are what's taking in all this information and, uh, and, and translating it into action. Yeah, yeah, that, that first one, um, the, 
the microprocessors would check the position sensors about 100 times per second. That's right. Yeah, so that way it can make sure that it's giving the right information to the motors so that you're you're moving at the right speed compared to how you are uh how you're physically manipulating the Segway. Right, right. It's it's also got in there um a couple of tilt sensors filled with electrolyte fluid, electrolytes being of course what plants crave. Thank you. Um Brondo. <laughs> which which is again just like your inner ear. Um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, your inner ear has fluid in it and that's what helps you determine what your orientation is relative to your environment. This is why one of the reasons why when people go up in the uh the the vomit comet, mm-hmm. that's why it's called that because when you're in the vomit comet, you're you're the sensory information you're getting from your eyes and from your your you know what you're feeling is so different from what your inner ear is trying to make sense of when this fluid is suddenly oh, right. In a free sure, fall. yeah, yeah. It's basically you've just got this little sensor in your head where you've got a level of fluid, and that is how you calibrate yourself to the ground by based on on where the fluid is tilting. Right, and and in a free fall motion, that that information ends up being a little weird, and so a lot of people end up, again, losing their lunch, mm-hmm. which is why they often refer to the planes that take these these flights as the vomit comet. Yeah, but it is interesting that the Segway itself has this electrolyte. Now, Greg, you don't have to worry about your Segway losing its lunch. Don't worry about that part. That part, similarity has now ended. But other than that, it is using a very similar approach to detect tilt as the way humans do, which, again, kind of cool that Dean Kamen is taking taking you know direction from the way our bodies do stuff to help inform him on the way he makes technology. I, he, I, bl- I blame it on his extensive medical background. He, yeah, and again, the Luke arm, another example of that, mm-hmm, right? He, yeah. He's taking that, that well, how do humans do things and how can we make technology that emulates this? Yeah, he was also, uh, when he was in college, he was the first, uh, he invented the first drug injection pump. And later, the first portable insulin pump, which is part of how he made such huge such amounts of money. And, then, yeah. and the the cool thing to me is that it's obvious that what drives him is a desire to innovate and to help people. Yeah, and he talks very passionately. There's some really really good interviews with him. Uh, we'll link him on social where he's talking about watching people use his inventions for the first time and and them kind you know, you know pe- people who haven't been able to move this way yeah. ever yeah and in some cases and, and them and just the amount of pride and and just awesome that happens yeah when the that fact goes. that that is what what really uh, uh gives him an incentive to continue yeah it's pretty interesting stuff it's it's a really cool story and in fact there's a whole section of the Segway story that we need to get into which involves the whole uh hype issue and a little bit more about the the original Segway models that came out uh, and uh, and some controversy that Segway has had over the years. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But first, before we do that, let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsor. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. 
Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I can't fly without my portable chargers and noise-canceling headphones keeping me immersed, and I'd be lost without my smartphone. In a new place, it's my connection to the familiar. I rely on it to get directions around town, I use my smartphone to look up things to do, or, most importantly, where to eat. In countries where I don't speak the language, my phone becomes a universal translator. And heck, it can double as a digital camera, giving me the opportunity to snap unforgettable pictures of the sights that inspire me and fill me with joy. That's the kind of traveler I am. And if you travel, you know what kind you are, too. That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Let's segue back into our episode, oh, shall we? Oh, no. I couldn't resist. And so uh, just a few more facts about the original Segway. Uh, keep in mind that they've made several different models over the course of the Segway's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the earlier ones, uh, they had a top speed of about 12 and a half miles per hour, which is around 20 kilometers per hour. Oh, right. Uh, I, think in, I think in some other countries it was maybe 13 and a half, but, but yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. It all depended on, uh, well, it also depended on what, which model you had, uh-huh. because and they did, they did do a range of them. Uh, sure, sure. Uh, we have an article on our site, How the Segway Works, and that one, we specifically looked at the Segway HT, which was one of the earlier models. Mm-hmm. Uh, it required about six hours of charging. It had a range of around 17 miles, which was about 28 kilometers. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the current Segways are called PT, which stands for Personal Transporter, uh, and they have a whole line of them that do different things. Yeah, for for uh, for... Like city travel versus off-road. Versus security purposes. They've got one specifically for golf courses. Yep. They've got some where they have like uh, all these containers on them so that you can carry stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you have to transport things. Granted, none of them are going to uh, replace the minivan. So soccer moms are not going to be able to. I mean, I guess you could maybe tie a couple of uh, of uh, 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 red wagons behind and just like like a mama duck. I was really waiting for you to say like small children to the handlebars, and then, I was like, I don't think that that's, I would. I, don't I, think I wouldn't that's advocate that. that. I wouldn't no. advocate that. I wouldn't advocate the, the the wagons actually either. That would be a disaster. But anyway, um, they 
the motors of those early Segways had a, about two horsepower worth of power and had a two-stage transmission with a 24 to 1 gear ratio with a helical gear assembly. And it was actually a harmonic assembly. Yeah, they, uh, they engineered it so that the sounds, that the, the two meshes in the gearbox would were exactly two octaves apart. Right. So they would harmonize. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Some might say crazy. Um, it weighed the original, the, the HT, the one that we talked about in our article, weighed about uh, 83 pounds, which is about 38 kilograms. And it could carry a person of up to 260 pounds, which is about 118 kilograms, or for my friends in England, 18 and a half stone. Uh, it had uh, two lithium ion batteries to supply power. Uh, rechargeable, rechargeable, obviously. You wouldn't want to have to plop out a different battery every 15 to 17 miles or so. Bad times. Um, and it used an electronic key system with 128-bit encrypted digital code. So you had this key that would plug into... It's sort of like a little like like flash drive-shaped yeah, thing. Yeah. Except it, you wouldn't have called it that then because... Right. You would have called it... Well, you could have called it that then. They'd had flash at that point, but it, it really wasn't. But it was a digital key that has 128-bit encrypted code on it. So that the Segway will only work with that code and uh, you don't have to worry about someone – not necessarily not have to worry about it, but if someone did run off with your Segway, they couldn't use it. Right. They, um, they would have to literally lift it up and move it away, which but, kind of defeats the point. Right. Purpose. Right. So that's that's the that's the basic mm-hmm. model that we talked about in our in – our, uh, uh, not our podcast, our article. But there are quite a few other ones that are out now. Like I said, there's the, the I2, which is your basic – Normal terrain uh, Segway, mm-hmm. and then the there's the X2, which is the <laughs> the off road, the yes, X2 the adventure, off road, X2 yeah. adventure, off road travel. Yeah, and they've even got some that were, that, you know, they worked with DARPA to to design um, a kind of Segway that was used as a, a platform for robotics. Right. Um, they've worked. Uh, they've created different models, like three wheeled and four wheeled uh, vehicles, based on the Segway technology. Um, for yeah, various they... things. Uh, here in Atlanta, we have uh, Atlanta ambassadors. These are people who are in downtown Atlanta who often help out during uh, big events. Like when, when something's going on downtown and, and uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of people there. Uh, these folks are there to kind of help give directions and, mm-hmm. and, you know, someone's like, hey, I'm looking for the Georgia Aquarium. Where do I go from here? I was, oh, you need to walk down this two blocks and take a left, that kind of thing. A lot of them have segways. So I see them whenever I'm downtown for, you know, Dragon Con or mm-hmm. St. Patrick's Day Parade, which, uh, at the time of this recording will be in just a couple of days. Um, so, but they, they have them. I've seen them in airports. A lot of airports have had, I've seen, uh, especially airport security on sure. these. I've seen police on these. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, they were big at the, uh, Beijing Olympics. Yep. In 2008. In fact, I want to say that, um, that, the most I well, I think the most I ever saw at one point was actually at Epcot because, like I said, uh, Epcot Center, uh, not Epcot Center. They, mm-hmm. they used to be called Epcot Center. <laughs> I, I was there when it opened because, as Lauren has pointed out numerous times, I'm old. But I remember uh, going to Epcot and seeing people on these, and that was probably the first time I saw them in person. But go back to when it was uh, unveiled, or even before it was unveiled, Cayman actually came up with the idea in the late '90s, like '99. And he had this idea of creating devices that could operate on pedestrian sidewalks and paths. And in 2001, the company that would become Segway broke ground on its manufacturing plant in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. which is where uh, Dean Kamen's from. Uh-huh. Yeah, they, they broke ground in February and I think uh, completed it in November. Yep, yep, right in November, December. And they adopted the name Segway in December 2001. And that's actually when they unveiled the Segway, the first mm-hmm. models of it. 
uh, on Good Morning America, a television program that's kind of a, a news-oriented television program here in, uh, in the United States. And uh, I actually saw this. I saw the unveiling episode. Uh, yeah, I, you, uh, you you stayed home, stayed home from work. You uh, I didn't stay home from no. work. I delayed leaving. <laughs> uh, not that I'm right. gonna, well, am I going to get in trouble? I mean, I haven't worked for this company in years. In 2001, I was not working for How Stuff Works. I was I was not here. I was working for a totally different company. I did drag my feet leaving the house that morning because I knew that this was happening. Everywhere in the news, it had been that there was going to be this incredible incredible device and it had two code names that i recall mm-hmm. off the top of my head one was it right the all, the all caps it what, like like the scary clown uh-huh. yeah uh, and then the other one was nice pennywise uh the other one was tim curry was in the uh-huh. television adaptation creepy of guy um stephen king uh the the second one uh was ginger Ginger, yeah, uh, and that was it. Was it had been codenamed Ginger based on the fact that the uh, wheelchair that uh, Decca had designed earlier was called Fred Upstairs within the lab, uh, based on Fred Astaire, right? Because they were they were saying that it just dances right up the stairs. Right, magically. it was a wheelchair that could climb stairs. Uh-huh. Fred and then Ginger, and so and so Ginger. And so of course, Ginger could do everything Fred could do backwards. In heels. In heels. Uh, so, not that the segue necessarily did, but I, it's just one of my favorite little quotes. Um, um, but, but, but so, uh, a journalist had started writing this book called Codename Ginger. Uh-huh. And it was leaked at the beginning of 2001, uh, I think by Inside.com. Okay. And this is, I think, what really created all of this insane hype. Right. Because it was, the, the book took such pains to not talk specifically about what this machine did. But it was going to change the world, and and you got these quotes from people like like Steve Jobs, yeah, that were like, "This is this is going to be bigger than the PC." Again, without it actually revealing what it was, is that the people who had found out about it said it was going to be this phenomenal technology that was going to fundamentally change the way we live, mm-hmm. and and it was built up so much. I mean, hype is is seems like a like a good thing, hypothetically. Well, well I was going to say that hype is probably not even strong enough of a word, considering that you know the deliverables that were being promised on based on this technology that no one outside of a very small group of people uh-huh. had any knowledge about. People were saying that that cities were going to be redesigned around this thing, right. and and that it was going to be bigger than the internet. Yeah, and then Good Morning America had its unveiling, and before the the show, I remember like days before the show aired. Uh, there were already rumors that it was going to be some sort of motorized scooter device. And this was based off patents that had been filed, as sure. well as Dean Kamen's previous work with the wheelchairs and things of that mm-hmm. nature. And so uh, when it actually happened, like I was hoping at the time that it wasn't going to end up being a scooter because I was thinking like if it's something totally different, that's going to be awesome. If it's a scooter, it still could be awesome, but it's going to be but... something that's not going to be as cool as if it were something totally out of left field. And then I saw it and I thought, well, that's interesting, but... Is it really going to change the world? And I understood what, what what they were going for. They were saying that, you know, especially in cities, particularly in cities, which is where the majority of people tend to live. Not sure. that not that there aren't plenty There's of people out in rural areas. Population density, yeah. Yeah, you've got very dense populations in cities. That traffic is a real problem. You've got people who are getting in their cars to go relatively short distances to do 
uh, basic stuff. Like here in Atlanta, uh, there's... I think we mentioned the traffic on the show about once every other episode. Well, but yeah, and not just traffic, though. I was going to say that we don't have... Like, our, our public transportation system is not... Doesn't measure up to public transportation systems in, in some other cities, like uh-huh. D.C. or New York or Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we do have one, and it and you can use it, mm-hmm. but it's just not ideal. It's not... Doesn't run as frequently as some other cities, and it doesn't... It doesn't go to as many places. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that means that if you want to get around it Atlanta and you want to do it effectively, you pretty much have to have a car. And the idea was that for cities like Atlanta and other cities that have similar issues, the Segway could end up allowing you to go further than you would if you were on foot Mm -hmm. uh, and not clog up all the streets. So it would alleviate traffic problems. Mm -hmm. It would start because it's an electric vehicle. It does not actually generate any uh, any. Uh, uh, greenhouse gases mm-hmm. or toxins, although you could argue that depending on how the electricity was generated, that's still a problem. It's just not being created it, by the right. vehicle right. itself. It's not direct. It's just a couple steps. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that would also be a thing and that it would, uh, you know, it could, it could really be a big benefit. But for that to work, you have to have an infrastructure that supports that kind of transportation. Mm-hmm. At the very least, uh, bike lanes... Uh, or, or really wide sidewalks. Really wide sidewalks. One of the big things that uh, that DECA and Segway were trying to do was create legislature that would allow the Segway to to go on sidewalks. Right. And they had huge pushback from a lot of communities. I think that it's that they're banned entirely on sidewalks in the UK. Maybe in um, some places they are. I know mm-hmm. in some cities they definitely are. It, it varies was, state by state and municipality by municipality. It, but. it probably doesn't surprise you to know that the first state to uh, legalize the Segway on pedestrian sidewalks was, in fact, New Hampshire, right? Where the Segway was located. It was that that was passed into law on February fifteenth, two thousand two. Working remotely, where you are, shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I can't fly without my portable chargers and noise-canceling headphones keeping me immersed, and I'd be lost without my smartphone. In a new place, it's my connection to the familiar. I rely on it to get directions around town. I use my smartphone to look up things to do or, most importantly, where to eat. 
In countries where I don't speak the language, my phone becomes a universal translator. And heck, it can double as a digital camera, giving me the opportunity to snap unforgettable pictures of the sights that inspire me and fill me with joy. That's the kind of traveler I am. And if you travel, you know what kind you are, too. That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Uh, and uh, and it wasn't until November 18th, 2002, that Segways went on sale to the public for the first time on Amazon.com. Right. Beyond that, uh, you've got, like, 2005 was when Disney World was introducing the Around the World at Epcot Segway Tour. So for those who have not been to Epcot, it's divided into two big sections. You have the, the Future World section where it's all about energy and transportation and uh, the, the things – that are going to be important to us in the years to come and kind of the innovations that we can expect or maybe even stuff that, you know, is really far out there. Maybe it'll never happen. That yeah, kind of yeah, thing. yeah. The other one is the World Showcase, which has – it's almost like a, a permanent World's Fair. Yeah. It has, a, a, it has different pavilions that represent various countries in the world. And they are the around the world Segway tour was a Segway tour that would take you around the world showcase. And it was like a two hour long tour. And it would allow you to start to uh, explore the world showcase a couple of hours before it was open to the general public. Because the way that Epcot works, or at least it used to, I assume it still does, uh, is when the doors would open, meaning that when they would they'd let you into the park, you could only go into the future world part for the first couple of hours. The okay. world showcase would be held off and like, like if the park opens at 8 a.m., then the World Showcase sure. would open at 10. So this tour would allow you to go through the World Showcase at 8 a.m. So you don't have to worry about running down Jimmy, who isn't paying attention because he wants a Mickey Mouse doll. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, Disney has actually banned the use of segways other than in their tours. Yeah, uh, that, that well, doesn't surprise me. Yeah, well, one of the problems that it's had with all of this is that um, segways are not technically graded for medical use. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, although they can help people with disabilities move from one place to another, because uh, because DECA worked with Johnson and Johnson on some of their um, some of the gyroscopic platform technology. Uh-huh. Johnson and Johnson actually owns that copyright and for for medical use. And Interesting. So, yeah, I did not know that. That didn't come up in my research. I know that on September fourteenth, two thousand six, they actually issued a recall 
for 23,000 segues. And that because, is all of them at yeah, that, that was, time. That was all of them at that, at that time. Uh, cause there was a software glitch. And that software glitch would cause the wheels to occasionally and spontaneously reverse direction. Which obviously, that would be a bad thing. I mean, imagine. If you're, if you're riding on it and you're not strapped into this thing, which you're not. Then. Yeah. Well, it's like, like the, the way I explain it to people is that imagine you're walking down, uh, down the street and then suddenly the ground underneath you shifts direction the opposite way. You know, you would end up on your back pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in fact, there were people who fell off the Segway, which, you know, when, when it was first introduced, that was one of the big things as they were saying that, you know, because of all the gyroscopes, it'd be really, not that it'd be impossible, but it'd be hard to fall You would have off. to be trying. But then with this software glitch, you know, made it, very easy to fall off a Segway if it happened. And in fact, people were, ended up getting some injuries, like some broken wrists and things like yeah, that. Yeah. There, there was a smaller recall back in uh, 2003 because when the charge got too low, the, the Segway would just stop very abruptly. And so oh, they had yeah. to... They so had then to... You'd, you'd start tumbling off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, I know that in, in 2009, uh, Dean came and ended up selling the company and he sold it to uh, Jim Hesselden, whose last name I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing correctly. But I'm not sure. He was He's... known as Jimmy Jimmy uh, mm-hmm. in the UK. Uh, and he was a guy who was a, a businessman and a philanthropist, mm-hmm. uh, really, really known for his philanthropic endeavors. And tragically, in September 2010, he uh, uh, Hesselden died in an accident. Uh, he actually involving a Segway. Yeah, you know, he was on a Segway, and he ended up falling off the edge of a cliff in a wooded area. He was in one of the off-road Segways, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so, supposedly he uh, encountered a walker on a path and uh, and reversed to get out of the walker's way and tumbled over. Oh, I did not. I didn't see that. That's part. I, that, that's that's kind of unconfirmed. I think that I read that on like on like Daily Mail or something gotcha, like that. So I'm gotcha. not. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was a tragic accident. Mm-hmm. It was a terrible thing, and and, uh, and I and, you know I cannot say for certain, but I have a feeling that that was part of what prompted Segway to uh, insert. So if you go to visit the Segway website, a little Segway safety pop up mm-hmm. will appear and tell you that you know you need to review the safety procedures of uh, and know how to ride a Segway in order for you to. Uh, operate one safely. Mm-hmm. And so there's a there's an actual pop-up that'll obscure your view of the Segway website until you, you know, dismiss it. And um they even have a full video that explains, you know, how the Segway works and the best way to operate it safely so that you don't end up injuring yourself. Um and on February 28th, 2013, Segway was acquired by Summit Strategic Investments LLC, mm-hmm. which is the current company that owns the brand. And uh yeah, that's that's kind of where we are right now. Well, just uh, just a few. Actually, on this March sixth, uh, they announced the development of a three wheel security device that's um, right. planned to be coming out in uh, Q four uh, this this year, twenty thirteen. Yep. Um, and and yeah, I mean, you know, so it's a reading all about this kind of broke my heart because because Cayman was so passionate about how this this terrific device could really change the world and change people's lives and mm-hmm. change. Our cityscapes for the better, and it fizzled so much. Uh, you know, it's we we talked about how the company debuted in 2002. They started selling the things in 2006. They had only sold 23,000 units. They were hoping to have been selling 40,000 per year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of things happened. It was uh, it, it's been a tough time the past decade or so for consumer 
Right. Yeah. You've had economic downturns. Mm-hmm. You've had resistance on the part of many municipalities to allow the Segway to travel along things like sidewalks. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also other just practical considerations. I mean, obviously, a Segway is great if you happen to live in a place where the climate is nice and mild. Sure. But if you are in a place that gets a lot of rain, mm-hmm. a Segway is not, you know, you're not going to be covered in the rain. You're mm-hmm. going to actually be out there. Mm-hmm. And depending upon how the Segway is made, it may not operate so well in the rain <laughs> after a while. Or, you know, like I've um, hung out in New Hampshire. There are many months in New Hampshire that I would not want to be to riding be, a right. Segway down a sidewalk. Yeah, yeah, so there's there's lots of reasons why the Segway adoption may have been slower. And I think the main one is just that, you know, we were so far along in the infrastructure that we rely on already. Right. Like, we're, we're so dependent upon a certain way for our cities to, to work, for us to get around in comfortably, that to expect a change in that is a little on the optimistic side. It would mm-hmm. require a huge amount of effort, time, and money. And and when I say a huge amount of time, I'm talking decades to really oh, yeah. refit a city in such a way so it would be ideal for using uh, something like a Segway. Particularly if you're in a city that has a uh, actually a fairly healthy pedestrian population. Healthy as in there are a lot of people out there walking. Oh, right, right. Not necessarily that they're all in great health. <laughs> Uh, Atlanta, not so great for pedestrians, ten- I would say. I mean, pedestrians... Oh, just- no. We have very few sidewalks uh, outside of our main metropolitan areas. And, you know, that's the other thing with these segways is that I think that the concept was always for them to be secondary to a car, to, like, yeah. have a car and then have the segway in it and, you know, park the car somewhere and then take the Segway out and go about your business. Right. Or, or if you happen to live, like, you know, two miles away from a market, then you could just then take you can the use Segway it for there. That. Sure. But, you know, but it, when these units cost over five grand a pop. Yeah. And they weigh almost 100 pounds. Uh-huh. Then you, know, that's, you know, it's not easy to carry them around. Yeah. That's um, that's that's one of me. So that's, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, Okay. So anyway, <laughs> I'm just depressed now because I'm thinking about how much weight I need to lose before I come close to being a Segway. Um, but anyway, yeah, there there are a lot of there are a lot of reasons I think that that explain why the Segway did not become the thing of the future. It was certainly an incredible innovation. It was a really interesting uh, engineering feat. I've seen similar um, products come out that are based on the same general principles as the Segway. Some of them are things like motorized uh, roller skates or a mm-hmm. motorized skateboard kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Honda came out with a unicycle-looking sort of thing that, yep. that that works on a similar basis, and yep. I think that Toyota, or I mean, they didn't come out with it; it's in prototype. But um, I've seen them at CES. I've seen a motorized, essentially, it's a motorized unicycle that you stand on, and again, just like with the Segway, you would lean forward to indicate that you want to move forward. And uh, I remember hearing that it takes about thirty to forty-five minutes to kind of acclimate yourself to it, to where you can comfortably. Uh, maneuver through an environment, say, uh, I don't know, a giant conference room that's filled with hundreds of thousands of people like CES. Just for I, example. If I had been on there, I would have probably mangled at least 40 or 50 people before I actually, no, let's be fair. I probably would have run over myself and that right, would have been the right. end of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, hypothetically, these things only go 12.5 miles an hour. Um, that, that is on purpose. They have a speed limiter in them. That's yeah. That's the issue that caused the recall. Back right. in 2006, the speed limiter was uh, was malfunctioning. Yeah. Um, yeah so I mean, it's but, it, you know, it, there there were definitely ideas to uh, to really uh, to really uh, to to make it as useful as possible and limit the the possible malfunctions or injuries that could happen uh, when people start using a technology that as a brand new mode of transportation. I mean, obviously, you have to take those things into account. Um, you know. I, 
I, I don't know what the future of Segway is going to be. I don't know if it's ever going to be anything other than kind of a uh, curiosity or used in, in very specific niche uh, use cases, things mm-hmm. like the Atlanta ambassadors or airport security or whatever. Maybe it never goes beyond that, but it really does show a pretty incredible uh, sense of engineering and design. Yeah, and um, I'm, I'm really hoping that this new company that's taken over is going to have some cool ideas. Yeah, yeah. I, I expect we'll see even more development on it, and uh, who knows, maybe one of these days I'll actually go for another spin on one of these things. It was actually a lot of fun, and I would enjoy doing it again. So, uh, anyway, guys, if you have any suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, I highly recommend you get in touch with us. Our email address is techstuff at discovery.com or you can get in touch with us on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle at both of those locations is techstuffhsw. Lauren and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot. But the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.